0: Hello and welcome to the very first episode of In Close Quarters. On today's episode, we're speaking to Alex Rodman and Luke Leahy. With podcasts being a brand new format for us, we'll be working on getting the right setup and location for episodes going forward. So do bear with us while we perfect things. However, enjoy our very first episode coming your way now.
1: Here's Upson. right-footed strike, what You cannot give Johnson-Clark-Harris that sort of opportunity. Right-footed shot, right into the bottom corner.
0: Balls up in the air, overhead from Clark-Harris! It's another one for the scrapbook from Johnson-Clark-Harris. A go-go, head in hands in disbelief. An overhead kick from Johnson-Clark-Harris, just when you think you've seen it all. So we'll start with, I suppose, since it is the first episode, your guys, are beginning and how you guys got into football. Um, so we'll start with, both of you played time, or kind of made your name at non-league level, didn't you? will uh, uh, would be towns was yeah, it, and yeah, then yeah. kind of all over Lincolnshire, I suppose. Townworth, yeah, Townworth was my first. So what are kind of your opinions on non-league? What do you think it provides, and what do you think it's not good for I suppose.
1: I think non-league for the young lads going out and playing the man's game instead of you know playing men's football instead of under 23s is vital really mm-hmm. and there's plenty of success stories that we know about in the press you look at your Vardy's and a lot of people that have come through and yes, made see. it to the very very top but there's a lot of lads who are playing the trade in the championship of the league one they? who've come from similar similar beginnings so it's obviously you know a hotbed of talent but I also think it gives you a uh, bit of a more robust kind of understanding of what's needed to, to go higher up rather than some of the academy football, which is obviously the academy football is very good, very technical, but you know, it's very different to men's, men's football and I think that the non-league provides that.
0: Yeah, and would you say, obviously it's kind of made out at the moment as a bit of a hidden gem, talent goldmine, would you say that, that you kind of can notice that when you were there at that level? Did you notice the, the kind of quality that there was, there was lying in wait for perhaps higher level where you are now, I suppose?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of good players in the league. Yeah, uh, for me, it was you know playing on a Saturday at three o'clock instead of a Tuesday afternoon at some academy. Do you know what I mean? It was, in, mm. and it made you you know want to win them games because it was it was you know they're all important games. So uh, non-league's massive, and like you say, there was hidden gems, and I'm sure clubs around the championship and league one constantly look at yeah at their league, looking for you know a twenty-goal striker or. A, Six foot four centre half that, that they think can do a job. So um, you know, there's a lot of good
1: players in the non-league, and it's just um, you know, being there at the right time and, and being, being noticed. I think that's the thing from non-league is that it, the, the three points on a Saturday means a lot more. Yeah, when yeah, it's yeah. the academy football. You know, it's, it's playing academy. It's, it's incorporating the philosophies of the first team that they want to. You know, whether they're a build-up from the back type of team or however they, you know, their footballing philosophy, but. You know, the Academy football. It's more right have a the league, them. but it's more about mm-hmm. development and also, you know, I've heard many sporting directors talk and give talks on, you know, not focus on the loss, uh, f- focus on winning and losing, but it's about developing the player and if yeah. they have to take a few losses to to develop a relationship or a, a you know, a part of that player's game, they'll play, they might even play him out of position to develop a certain part of their game. And right, that's okay. you know, that's the difference between going out and understanding actually how much, you know, three points does mean on the weekend, but you know, growing up playing against the likes of you know, Vardy and, and, and people like that in that non-league and then going on to see what they've done as well. It, it, it's obviously, the, the, the talent's obviously there.
0: Would you say it's more about a the mentality then, I suppose, working in, you know, at a non-league level, as you say, instils that winning mentality where
2: perhaps if you're if you're playing for under 23's time, you, you just don't get up, do you? There's more pressure, I mean, yeah, yeah. a manager's you know, if the results aren't going the there's pressure on the manager, I suppose. There would not be much pressure on an under 23's manager if they're not getting the, the results. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of you know, like Roger said, it's about winning on a Saturday at three o'clock and and that's it because you know like I say, the managers can get sacked or, you know, uh, it's
1: one of them so I think the thing for the young guys to understand as well is that it's not an individual as maybe as as a lot of individual focus on when they're in these sort of academy levels and coming into non league, it can be more of a you know, the team performance is more important than the individual performance mm. and sacrificing yourself for the team and sometimes yeah. that's something that you you need you need to learn and understand at that level when you, you, um, you, know, when you come out of, of the academy of football and, and go into non-league and senior and the football league that's something that I think I notice and uh, I think a lot of the young lads probably it's the biggest difference maybe is understanding that you know that, that's more important than perhaps yourself. And the pitches, yeah. it's, you know you cold
2: <laughs> December and you going on Tuesday <laughs> night and you look at the pitch and you think oh my god but it's not bottom, the yeah. academy pitches are... Mm-hmm. Some of the best out there. So it teaches you to, I suppose, deal with different different levels and, and scenarios, is not it? Really? Yeah, definitely yeah. change rooms as well. Normally, um, you know, you get some change rooms that are absolutely terrible. And can you remember any yeah. one in a one particular out? way? Can't <laughs> know, to, I can't remember. I can't remember what team or two or three going in to get changed and then
1: them coming out and then another two or three going in to get changed. Mm-hmm. Kind of sheds really. It was that tight. And I've seen lads coming from Premier League clubs and looking around and think, what is this? <laughs> what are these? Facilities and it is a wake-up call for them and thinking, you know, almost uh, well, they don't want to come back here, you know. And that's not just non-league, you know, that's league clubs as well. So it's uh, it's definitely an eye-opener for them, that's for sure. Hmm. And Luke, you particular, you went from Rugby
0: Town all the way to Falkirk. Yeah. How did that move materialize? It's quite a bit of a yeah,
2: a, just big distance, big crash. yeah. It was. I was 18, so it was sort of a big move. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew Gordon was tracking at the time, so. Okay. To Stephen, to have him, yeah, <laughs> and he just spoke to Stephen Presley, who was the manager at Falkirk at the time, and just went up and had a couple of weeks trial, and then signed. It was all happened quite quick. All of a sudden, I was all of a sudden I was up in Scotland on my own and uh, living there, paying bills when I was eighteen, So mm. that helped me massively how I am today. Do you know what I mean? That that helped me a lot of independence at a young age. End. Really. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a big a big move like footballing wise, but for a life, but to pan my life out as well. So, um, but one of the best things we've ever done. Yeah. And obviously, as you say, it's, it's, a long way away from kind of your family. Mm. So how did that kind of, did that take its toll at times? Were there times where you needed yeah. a bit of time off? Yeah. First, I'd say four or five minutes, five months I struggled a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was only a young lad Yeah um, that, was, that was always going to happen, but you know, I, um, my wife, now she was coming up and everything, so you know, it was. Um, and I made a lot of friends up there, so it wasn't, it wasn't as bad. But the first couple of months, you know, it was a real struggle. But yeah, you know. I look back at it now and it was probably the best five years. Of yeah, back. able to, to really grow into, into the player that you want out of that. Yeah, and a person. Mm-hmm. Like I like say, a lot of independence and do things on my own and, you know, like I said, pay bills and, and that. So it was a, it was a, that was a wake up call. And Rodders,
0: when you were kind of looking to get into sport, it wasn't always. Football, that was the first kind of your original calling. Talk to me a bit about your, your golf history. Well, it, well, it was
1: football. I, was, I lived and breathed football up until I was 14, to, well, I well, mean, just before my YTS actually. I was at Aston Villa and then got the golf bug and just didn't even want to see a football. Just obsessed with golf. So I gave up, left Villa left before my YTS and then sort of just addicted to golf and was playing that. And then wanted to go to college out in America to play golf. and... Got down to a decent level uh, when I was 17 and was applying for scholarships. And you know, I'm I, I sending my resume over to those American clubs, uh, American colleges. Mm-hmm. And you know, while well, two's good over here, and you've got boys of 15 or plus four, plus five, and it's just you know, to get the top rated level over there, it's just it's it's it wasn't good enough. So, um, you know, my parents weren't, weren't happy for me to go to a third or fourth sort of division, um, as they're ranked over there, okay. uh, uni. So. I uh, ended up going to Nottingham Trent, and uh, sort of t- football sort of took over a little bit more. Then I played for the uni team. I did, yeah, yeah, I did. I actually played in a competition, uh, a tournament up in my uni actually, and then the England manager was there, and he picked me up from that and ended up going out to I played in the World University Games um, for Great Britain, and then in Poland, and then at, at play ended up playing for England. I should play in Poland as well, but. That was uh, that was certainly an eye opener. We played Brazil in the first game, and yeah. wow, <laughs> some of those boys. And, yeah, <laughs> some, yeah, yeah. some of those boys were incredible. <clears throat> but that was a very good experience, mm-hmm. um, and I was sort of not really taking football seriously um, to a degree. I was playing university football, enjoying it more about the social, really, as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, fancy dress on Wednesdays and sports <laughs> socials, <class>. so <laughs> being handcuffed to cheerleaders all night and stuff. <laughs> it was tough, but. <laughs> um, it was last year of uni really, where I was at the Conference North and Gary Mills at Tamworth and we won that Conference North, went into the conference and mm. I had quite a bit of interest from from, from, some, from some pro clubs and I thought, you know, I'll get my head down now and work hard and I sort of rediscovered my love for it and I thought, right, coming out of uni I'll give this, we work full time in the conference and I thought, right, I'll have a go and, and I was offered a few trials mm-hmm. for some League 1 and Clubs at the time and, and, and what have you and then kind of went into the league from there really, so... What was that? It was a bit, of a, bit a, of a strange one. A, yeah. a, a different path
0: into football, if you but, like. What, what did that teach you? Because uh, it's, com- it's a completely different game, isn't it, really? Futsal, 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 futsal is, yeah.
1: Futsal is a lot more sort of sharp, close control, more skill, sort of, yeah, tight 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 spaces, tight areas. I mean, futsal game, you could play it, you know, you could take a very good five-a-side team and play them against a futsal team, and they'd probably get ripped apart because it's just a different game. The ball's smaller. You know you, tactically it's very different but it definitely improves your close control sort of in tight areas especially for some sort of more attacking players and number 10s and, and wingers it definitely improves that and you know it was a great experience to travel travel the world and play um, um, and represent england for, for that we're still some way behind some of the countries spain and, and russia for example and some of those countries have you know professional leagues we don't have that over here so we're still some way behind but we are making grounds and was definitely an experience, but the whole route into football for me was a, was definitely an eye opener. Uh, you know, as Luke was saying, going away at 18 and you really growing up. Mine was a completely different route to uh, what a lot of other lads experienced. You know, I never did my YTS, I never you know cleaned the pros' boots, I never did all that and experienced it. Those initiations, that I had still. Yeah, about, yeah. Know, I Never did that and saw saw that. So it was it was, uh, definitely a very route.
0: And uh, I have to talk about you had uh, an interesting.
1: Haircut, while uh, What do you make of that, Luke? Oh, uh, oh wow. Well, I think, I think that could be against, uh, that's in one of the qualifying rounds of the FA Cup. and I scored that. two and we won 2-0. scored actually, two, we right? actually We actually got to the first round. I won player of the round in, for the FA Cup, you know, the and went to, <laughs> went to the <laughs> FA Cup in that, but that is, yeah, I remember that. That's crazy. Yeah, um, well, of course, uni days. So, that, I was going to say, that
0: remnant of uni life just not being able to afford a haircut? <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, yeah, I, um,
1: I let my best friend, she dyed my hair when I was at uni and it, she dyed it yellow as well, and I kept that for some reason. And then <laughs> dyed it white and then I shaved it off. White? The lead, for yeah. The and then you were trying to get rid of the yellow tinges, and then I thought I was back, so shaved it. Shaved it white. Off. Oh, but oh. it was more. It was more like some shady, really. Um, yeah, thinking I think that was Bex, looked more like Eminem. Um, <laughs> was, yeah, I've had I've had some shockers. Yeah, but you live and learn, don't you?
0: Um, all right, insane saying as well, your uh, your family were quite uh, business oriented a, at a young age. I think you did some stuff for Tops, yeah. training cards. At yeah, the top. yeah, yeah. I must have been a, you know working around that environment. It was kind of involved with football a lot. What was that like?
1: Well, my dad used to work for Tops. Yeah, um, he doesn't anymore, but he used to work for Tops. Mm. So um, he used to see the Premier League sticker albums some wrestling cards, the Pokemon cards, everything, uh, which was interesting. We used to, you know, um, so I used to work some low those sort of shops and stuff growing up, yeah. But um, yeah, it was a yeah, close link to football, yeah.
0: In your time with Falkirk, uh, you had some interesting ones in that. I found an article that listed you as a, uh, a playmaker. Um, when you signed, we oh, I was signed or as an number 10, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: so, it, yeah, How did that transition? I'm Transition come about not good enough I think. About <laughs> <laughs> no. um, there, like. <laughs> <laughs> It was just one game. Someone got, I can't someone got off injured or something like had, I had To go left back and doing really well. And then the week after, I got chucked in against um, Hearts at Tynecastle at uh, left back, and ever since then, I've just, just been up, played left back. Just continued on. Yeah, right? it's just um, number ten. You've got to be quick, good vision and that, and you know, I'm, I'm better with the play going that way, do you know what I mean? So yeah, I yeah, just got chucked in and then all of a sudden, six, seven years down the line, I'm still, the still time, there. Still so. there.
0: And I'm all right saying so you know, that there was, there's a stat that you were listed as a goalkeeper once on the bench
2: for Folker. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk <laughs> to me um, about that? What, what kind of, what was that situation? This was early on, this was early on in my career. I was, they had to list that, um, I can't remember. it, they, they had did a goalkeeper sub, so. Okay, so I wasn't actually a goalkeeper, so they just put they just put goalkeepers just put in goal just, to, just to keep the ref happy. I think. Yeah. But if the, if the keeper was injured, would you be, would you have been the no, first one? <laughs> I no, I, I, I don't think so. I was only young, so mm-hmm. I would have mm-hmm. got bullied <laughs> if I went in goal. Would have been a would have been a difficult one. Yeah, difficult no, I, didn't have, I didn't have the rules
0: on or anything like that. So. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Ed and Abs told us in their Q and A that you're in charge of the music in the dressing room. I am. Um, yeah. How did that come about? uh Just
1: taste, really. Just, just taste. Just, just has yeah. got the best taste. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, to be fair, Tony the kit man put some speculative stuff on. I'm not so sure. stuff. We come into the, the change room and take that on and all so <laughs> this. How does this get the boys up for a game? So, just taking charge of it, really. I've, just, mm-hmm. I've done it for the last couple of years and the last couple of clubs I've been at, and. Uh, the boys seem to respond to a few house tunes. How it? do you design?
0: I was going to say, how do you design a
1: playlist? There's actually the there's there's actually a lot more thought that goes into it. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The boys just think I just rock up and I've got all these good tunes, but okay it's the, the beats per minute, all that stuff, in, you know, <laughs> exactly. raise the heart rate for the lads to go out and all Smart. that. So, yeah. Um, it's not just rocking up and playing, as any DJ will tell you.
0: Do you ever think, all right, what's the ideal song to go out to just before a game, as you're literally?
2: about to go to the tunnel, what's the idea of the put it back on? I do, yeah, put it back on sometimes, but
1: then Gaff's, Gaff will change it sometimes, or he'll have it on, but, I mean, Tony likes to force some songs on us, but they're, they're I think he's learnt now that like the boys don't respond to that. Sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a couple of songs with, a, uh, you know, I think Be Somebody is a, a good house tune, and there's a Calvin Harris and Neo one that comes out, it's a bit... Not a rock, quite a rocky tune, but it's, you know. It gets you going. Gets so you going, so go. like, yeah. We normally have that knocking around. And
0: uh, Lou, you've played in a cup final before yes. um, for Folco. What was the kind of atmosphere in the dressing room prior to that? Obviously, massive game. Where, where was it at? Where was it it happened, at Hampden,
2: yeah. At Hampden Park. Uh, yes. yeah, it was a nervous dressing room. I bet, yeah. we were a league below. <laughs> uh, Scottish Cup final. You expect Celtic and Rangers to be there, but so you know, for a club like Falko, and a town like Falko, it was a huge thing. The whole build-up, for the week. It was just incredible. Never experienced anything like it in my life. You know, we were training days before, and there'd be a couple of hundred, maybe to a thousand people at the training, trying to. Really. Yeah, it was just incredible. All the sky cameras and and that. So uh, no, that was probably the best day of my life and the worst day of my life, just because of the result and mm. just everything that that happened and the build up and everything. Interesting. Walking out with. The big fires and yeah, yeah, Hamden packed and better atmosphere was yeah, it was incredible. Series, yeah. all, the whole of Coventry with them, I think. Um, <laughs> so there that was that was incredible to uh, to play in a national final, um, which you know I still look back back now. And uh, apart from the last two minutes of the game, which uh, where we lost it, but mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult one to take away because obviously you lost the game, but I'm sure it's a, a massive memory
0: for you and something that you'll kind of
2: yeah. treasure going forward. Isn't oh, you? absolutely, yeah. I mean, we were never expected to get there. We were hmm. we were in the championship and we beat a couple of, I think, a couple of Prem sites to get there as well. So, yeah, it was a huge for the club and huge for the town. And um, Like I say, that week building up, it was just, it was incredible. And kind of the... A very interesting point to touch on
0: was your actual move to Rovers, because it wasn't as simple as, as sometimes is made out. Um, do you want to talk to possibly not talk about the alternative club that was involved?
2: Um, yeah, it was, it was a weird one. You know, uh, left Walsall at the end of the season and went on holiday to enjoy myself and that, and then it was always in the back of mind that you know I need to get sorted because like as every footballer does out contract, you know they're worried about where the next contract to come from and. You know, I had a couple of offers and you know, I just didn't really feel I didn't really wasn't I wasn't happy with if you know what, not, not happy with but just didn't suit me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then you know I spoke to the gaffer a couple of weeks before I actually signed him, um, but I was on the way down to another club on a Sunday and I think my agent was to give the gaffer one more another call just to say, listen, he's going down, blah blah blah. And all of a sudden I just stopped at the services on the M5 and the change, <laughs> change, yeah, changed, turn back round and, and signed for Rovers the following day, So yeah, it was in, and then it was in Dublin on the Monday night. Yeah, I was it going to see males other players on, in Ireland. In yeah, United, sure. it was, yeah. yeah hectic for hours, yeah, I, <laughs> I
0: suppose. And um, we'll finally touch on your business now, you'll get towards the end of your career, you kind of... Cheers, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Stacks, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you are looking into into doing different stuff. Uh, Mark, Mark, it was a, a similar situation as well with with his, uh moving business as well. Would
1: you want to talk a little bit more about kind of what you've been exploring really recently alongside your family? Yeah, well, I've always always been into business stuff. Offside, mm. I think you know, uni taught me that. My parents have taught me that. It's uh, you've kind of football. You've never been at a level where you know football provides enough income to to, to live off like in that way. It's just you know it's the reality of. level I've been at and you know we've um, so I've always had to keep an eye on that sort of stuff and be focused on it we're actually doing some stuff with Rose and all the football league and and premiership clubs at the moment which the fans will see Um, this company called Super Socks and Snugsy um, which will be a lot of the brand fan branded socks and and, and club branded socks and there'll be some interesting marketing stuff coming out with a few (laughs) of the lads and, and what have you for the fans which I'm sure they'll appreciate Coming up to Christmas, which is uh, we just opened a store in uh, Selfridges, a pop-up store in Selfridges in Birmingham last month. Yeah, um, I saw that. It's a big, big kind of yeah. marquee moment. Yeah, it, it, it was really. Yeah, we just we're opening in London uh, in November, and then we're opening at Arnotts in Dublin um, in, in the near future as well. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic really. We're the first company to use AI to print, you know, uh, print socks using customers' faces and, and, and translate them onto the onto the merchandise within 30 minutes in store. It's, it's fantastic for us, really, and you know, something that we're really proud of. And uh, do you want
0: to talk any more about kind of how you grew up in, a, in that business environment and how it's translated to what you're doing
1: now? Well, to be honest, my middle brother, who's the sort of guru for it, he went to Leeds University and was printing uh, T-shirts, and we've got uh, this sort of overall brand, is called Nerdy Banana, and it covers a, a wide aspect of, of brands. We've got a dog brand called Dogsy, uh, which is very popular, and, and that prints everything from Dog beds and mats and collars and what have you, and you wouldn't believe some of the stuff people want their dogs' faces on and uh, <laughs> cushions and what have you. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he he dropped out of uni in Leeds and he was working at the back of the back of, uh, of home for years, and now you know he has the 30,000 square foot office and employs 25 people, which is fantastic. So you know I'm immensely proud of him, and that's mm-hmm. something that I'm involved in, but not to the degree that he has been. But you know he's he's put in you know, 18 hour shifts for. Uh, I can't know every day for I don't know how long. So he deserves a lot of credit for it, and so I'm very proud of him. So my, my youngest brother just moved out to America to set up the American side of the business. Um, he's actually back at the moment for some. He's had an ACL rupture. He plays rugby out there as well, and he's had an ACL, so he's doing his rehab over here. So you know, my, and my dad's involved in it as well. So it's a, it's a very family business, but um, something that's expanding, and you know, we're really really excited about.
0: And um, it's kind of uh, are you looking to kind of. Get into get more and more involved in it now. Obviously, you know you said that your brothers kind of at the forefront a bit, but what kind of role do you want to bring on? Or, or, well, is, or is it I mean the support
1: role? It's a bit of both, really. Uh, obviously, the stuff we're doing with Bristol, and I'm, I'm I'm looking after all the football league and Premiership clubs that we've you know we're rolling this campaign out with now. Um, you know I, I've done my masters in sports directorship, which is the angle I see myself going down. I'm you know, in the process of. Completing a setting up a, a sports division of a, a wealth management firm at the moment to provide advice for sportsmen and athletes. So that's uh, another interesting uh, thing that I'm. You know we're doing it at the moment so um, there's quite a few things going on but um, something i've always really sort of paid attention to outside of football because you never know when you know your last contract's around the corner and, and, and something that you know you need to to, to take focus on absolutely all good
0: thank you very much for listening to in close quarters don't forget to follow us on whichever streaming platform you are listening to us on and keep an eye out on our social media for special clips throughout the week